Another case goes before the Supreme Court weighing religious freedom with the ascribed rights of the LGBTQ community. But is this just about religion or have we now actually gotten into artistic expression? That will be our discussion on today's episode of World News Brief. Good to be with you. I'm Bob Siegel, your host for this week. I know one of our other World News Brief hosts, Mike Friedenberg, just began an excellent series debriefing the 2022 midterms. You may be wondering about his next installment. Mike will be continuing that series, but it won't be every week. It will resume when the rotating wheel of this show points his direction again. It's a great analysis he's giving for myself. I can't wait to hear the next one. I hope you're caught up. Be sure to listen to part one of Mike's talk on last week's World News Brief, and we all anxiously await part two in just a few more weeks. Meanwhile, different subject with me today. I'm going to begin by reading from the New York Post. The Supreme Court's conservative majority on Monday seemed to lean in favor of an evangelical Christian web designer who is seeking to refuse working on same-sex weddings based on her religious beliefs. Justices heard more than two hours of oral arguments in the case of Lori Smith, 38, who sued the Colorado Civil Rights Commission in 2016 over state anti-discrimination laws barring her from advertising that she won't create websites for couples of the same sex. Among those seeming to side with Smith was Justice Samuel Alito, who posed a hypothetical about a person offering to write speeches or wedding vows asking, can they be forced to write vows or speeches that espouse things they loathe? Justice Neil Gorsuch, meanwhile, referred to Smith as an individual who says she will sell and does sell to everyone all manner of websites, but that she won't sell a website that requires her to express a view about marriage that she finds offensive. Colorado is compelling and censoring my speech and forcing me to design and create custom artwork that celebrates messages that go against my deeply held beliefs, Smith has said previously. My faith is at the core of who I am. Under Colorado's Anti-Discrimination Act, businesses are not allowed to deny the public their goods and services based on race, gender, sexual orientation, and religion, and they can't post notices doing so either. Eric Olson, the Colorado Solicitor General, argued on Monday that Smith wants a license to discriminate, quote-unquote, and was pressed by Justice Clarence Thomas over the lack of precedence in allowing accommodation laws to dictate or curb free speech. But the liberal justices expressed concern on the slippery slope of setting a precedent in favor of Smith. Justice Sonia Sotomayor said, how about people who don't believe in interracial marriage? Or about people who don't believe that disabled people should get married? Where's the line? Alito pushed back, asking if it's fair to equate opposition to same-sex marriage to opposition to interracial marriage. If I understand you, you're saying yes, she can refuse because there's ideology just in the fact that it's Mike and Harry and there's a picture of these guys together, Justice Kagan said. Smith argues centennial state law clashes with her rights to free speech and to refuse business that conflicts with her religious beliefs. Her lawyer, Kristen Wagner, told the 
justices, Smith believes opposite-sex marriage honors scripture and same-sex marriage contradicts it. Olson warned that if Smith wins, businesses could refuse business based on all sorts of racist, sexist, and bigoted views. A company just cannot refuse to serve gay couples as it seeks to do here, just as a Christmas store cannot announce no Jews allowed, Olson said. The married mother of one who owns graphic design firm 303 Creative LLC maintains she has no issue working with LGBTQ clients on other projects that don't involve marriage and has done so in the past. There have been calls for Supreme Court Associate Justice Amy Coney Barrett to recuse herself from Smith's case as a devout Catholic. The High Court, which currently has a majority of conservative judges, legalized gay marriage in 2015. The Supreme Court, which has a 6-3 to conservative majority, is expected to issue its decision by the end of June. All right, that is the New York Post I was reading from. Let me respond. First of all, yes, at the moment with this case, most of the justices are conservative, at least on paper. My friends, I am not exactly breathing a sigh of relief that the Supreme Court is a conservative majority. Yes, at times they have made good rulings. Other times, they have not. They have been a coin toss. Often they cave, often they capitulate. Well, that goes without saying. But enough of the conservatives for a moment. Let's get back to some of the liberal sentiment going around over this case. Here's the part you just gotta love. Amy Coney Barrett should recuse herself because as a Catholic, she has a viewpoint and standard related to this issue. Everybody on that bench has a viewpoint related to this issue. Justice Kagan is herself lesbian. Is anyone asking her to recuse herself from a case that is about gays and lesbians? And if we really want to talk about conflicts of interest, how about when the person certifying the election was also running for office in the election? Like the election of, oh, say, governor of Arizona? Katie Hobbs ran for governor and was certified as the legitimate winner by, yes, Katie Hobbs! Thank you for playing. You didn't see any of the same people who called for the recusal of Barrett call for the recusal of Hobbs or Kagan. So let's just drop this shameless hypocrisy that's been in our faces, shall we? My friends, my dearest friends, this situation before the court is nothing new. A lot of you may remember the case of the Christian baker a few years ago who refused to decorate a cake for gay weddings. He never said he wouldn't sell them a cake. That's the way it was portrayed, that he refused to serve gay people. That was a downright lie. He never said he wouldn't bake them a cake. He never said he wouldn't sell them a cake. He said he wasn't going to decorate it with a message that violates his religious convictions. My friends, this is not just about religion anymore. It's also about freedom of artistic expression. I would think every artist in the country, liberal or conservative, would be up in arms over this. What's next? Will painters be told what to paint on their canvases? Will novelists and film directors be ordered to put gay characters in their stories? Already, pressure the last couple of years has been put on the Hallmark Channel to do just that. And Hallmark has caved. But at the moment, it's just lobbyists pressure. Hallmark didn't actually get a command from a court yet, but it's coming. Just you wait and see. Already a filmmaker in Minnesota has been undergoing legal issues over a documentary he made that talked about marriage because some soul wanted him to include a discussion of gay marriage. 
He's challenging this in the court, but it's an actual law in Minnesota, and that this is happening at all, however the case pans out, should be chilling to all of us. It is only a thin line between a documentary movie and a regular run-of-the-mill Hollywood fiction movie. And yes, designing a website is also a work of artistic expression. Designing the writing on top of a cake is a matter of artistic expression and a matter of conviction. Artists express their own beliefs, their thoughts, their messages. Supposing somebody went into a bakery asking them to decorate a cake for a special Ku Klux Klan event, some grand imperial wizard's birthday. Or here's another scenario. Try this one out for size. Let's just reverse what's going on right now. Let's say a Christian couple goes to an openly gay baker. Hi there. Say, here's what we want, a wedding cake, and we want you to decorate it with special icing. And with the icing, we want you to quote from Genesis and beyond Genesis, we want you to state, we want you to affirm in the icing writing that God ordains marriage as a union only between a man and a woman. We want those exact words on the cake. Man should appear in the cake. Woman should appear in the cake. The word only should appear in the cake. Got that? Questions? Okay, great. Let us know when it's ready and have a nice day. Should he be expected to make that cake. Would any court in our land force him to put that icing writing on that cake? We won't live to see the day. And let me tell you something, even though I personally do not agree with the gay lifestyle, I myself would not expect a gay baker to decorate a cake like that because I am a believer in the First Amendment. And yes, the amendment applies even to those whose beliefs I differ with. That's why we have a First Amendment. If we were always going to agree on things, we wouldn't need a First Amendment. And yes, I do agree also at Christmas store can't say no Jews allowed, but neither can a Jew go into a Christmas store and insist that they sell Hanukkah decorations. You can't tell somebody what to sell in their own store. Now, as it happens, you know this, most Christmas stores actually do sell Hanukkah decorations, but that's not my point. Those that do so, do so freely. Those that do so, do so by choice. And they should be just as free to not sell them. And I'm sure there are some Christmas stores somewhere that don't sell Hanukkah decorations. And folks, I say this as a Jew who also accepts Christ. I believe Christ is my Messiah. A Christian store owner should be able to say, yes, as a Jew, you are welcome to buy anything you want in our store. But you will not tell us what to sell, just as we will not go into a Jewish delicatessen and order you to serve ham sandwiches. Back in 2008, when Proposition 8 was going on, that was the proposition in California that defined marriage as a union between a man and a woman, a proposition that was eventually overturned by the courts, a proposition that I knew would be overturned by the courts. I supported this proposition, but I knew it was a waste of time. Anyway, while this was going on, 2008, I went over the air on my radio show and I said, I don't believe in gay marriage, but if I thought for one moment that the legalization of same-sex marriage would put a stop to all this, that gay people would now rest in their freedoms, which they themselves claim are the only freedoms they are asking for, if I believed for one second that the legalization of same-sex marriage would make us square, I could live with it. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't agree with it, but I could live with it. But it won't stop there. Mark my words. That's what I said, my friends, over the air back in 2008. 
Yes, I predicted that it wouldn't stop there because I had been studying for years the genuine mission and strategy of militant gay activists. Not the gay community at large, specific, and they're much fewer, militant gay activists. And I knew that for them, marriage was only the beginning. Live and let live, we were told back then. How does it hurt you if two other people want to get married? It's their business. How does it hurt your family? How does it hurt your children? How does it hurt the church? Well, it did hurt, didn't it? And it didn't stop with marriage, did it? Almost immediately, Christian websites like eHarmony.com were ordered by judges to open up their service to same-sex couples. In many places around the country, pressure is being put upon churches to perform gay weddings even if they don't believe in them. Little girls in schools are told they might really be boys. Little boys in schools are told they might really be girls. We have Drag Queen Day for children at our libraries. Oh no, this isn't affecting our children and our families and our churches at all, has it? Okay, someone listening right now thinks I'm being unloving. Let me tell you something. I have been in full-time Christian ministry for many years. A lot of that was on college campuses. And in this ministry, I have interacted with many people, many students who struggled with same-sex attraction. They confided in me as their pastor. They confided in me because they saw somebody that they felt they could confide in without being attacked. They were treated with respect. They were treated with compassion. I hate using that word because it's been hijacked by the left. But if you want to look at what the word compassion really means, they were treated by me with compassion. And like I just said, frankly, the militant gay community does not speak for most gay people. Most people related to the LGBTQ community just want to be left alone and live in peace. Well, I don't agree with their lifestyle, they do have my sympathy. Now you think about Bob, if you disagree with their actions, if you disagree with their lifestyle, then how can you be sympathetic? That's hate, isn't it? Isn't it important, Bob, to speak against hate? Those who are against same-sex marriage are filled with hate, aren't they? My friend, with all due respect, that's quite a sweeping generalization. Have you personally met and conversed with every single person opposed to same-sex marriage? Have you allowed them to speak for themselves? Or are you letting others filter and restate their opinions? And how exactly are you defining hate? I respect your desire to be loving, but please be careful here. Stop, take a deep breath, and notice the subtlety of what's going on. Otherwise, you may find yourself guilty of the same kinds of bigotry you claim to be against. Before pulling words such as compassion or tolerance out of the arsenal, please put yourself under the microscope of these very words. Can you show compassion and tolerance for people who have a view of homosexuality contrary to your own? Yeah, but Bob, disapproving of homosexuality is like disapproving of an entire race because gay people were born that way. Actually, my friend, nothing of the sort has ever been proved. This notion will be challenged in just a few minutes. Hold on. But for now, for the moment, even if you disagree, viewing sexuality as different from race or skin color isn't really that far of a stretch, is it? Dedicated liberals are quick to make this comparison by couching the debate under headings such as equality or civil rights. They often forget how many African Americans and Latinos resist the alleged parallel. 70% of California's African-American voters voted in favor of Proposition 8. Once again, that's the California law since overturned by the courts, which at the time stated that marriage would
would only be recognized as a union between a man and a woman, and 70% of African Americans voted for this. A little more than half of California's Hispanic voters joined them. Reverend William Owens, head of the Coalition of African American Pastors, is himself a civil rights activist. He had this to say about the comparison between gay rights and the African American plight. Every morning I wake up, I look in the mirror, and I see a black man, and there is absolutely nothing I can do to change the color of my skin. They are not suffering what we suffered, and I sympathize with people who face discrimination. Every person should be treated with dignity and respect, but what they're going through does not compare to what we went through. Owens went on to say that changing the definition of marriage would be devastating to all of our families. Back to the question of people being born gay. That has never been established as a fact. Homosexuality as a learned behavior and psychological emotional disorder was the widespread belief and teaching of the American Psychiatric Association for many years. But the tide began to change in the early 70s. Many people are unaware of the circumstances which led to homosexuality being declassified as an emotional disorder by the APA in 1970. You may never have heard about the pressure from gay activists and gay psychiatrists who were involved in the meetings. You should know that the discussions leading to the vote were political and instilled a great deal of fear. In fact, so extended was the pressure that only one-third of the ballots sent out were ever returned. Out of those returned, only 58% agreed to declassify homosexuality as a disorder. Now get this, catch this. Just 58%, I know that sounds like a majority, but my friends, I mean 58% out of the one-third of the ballots returned. But today's spin concentrates on the bottom line that the vote, however it was done, chose to declassify homosexuality as a disorder in the DSM-3. Prior to this time, homosexuals not only sought help from psychologists, but also received healing. Dr. Charles Sikorides, a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst who had successfully treated gays for more than 20 years, was a part of the APA. In his book, Overcoming Homosexuality, he claimed that the militant gay movement was responsible for, quote-unquote, the greatest medical hoax of the century. Although doctors in attendance at the 1973 conference continued to argue long afterward about the proportion of study versus politics, Ronald Bayer, a psychiatrist who took the view in opposition to Securities, corroborates the political atmosphere in his own book, Homosexuality in American Psychiatry, The Politics of Diagnosis. He says the entire process from the first confrontations organized by gay demonstrators at psychiatric conventions to the referendum demanded by orthodox psychiatrists seemed to violate the most basic expectations about how questions of science should be resolved. Instead of being engaged in a sober consideration of data, psychiatrists were swept up in political controversy. Those were the words of Ronald Bayer, and that was a leftist agreeing with the guy on the right. Although many gay people today sincerely claim that they cannot remember a time when they weren't attracted to the same sex, that does not necessarily mean that they were born homosexuals. Elizabeth Moberly, a research psychologist for Oxford and Cambridge, explains this in her book, Homosexuality, A New Christian Ethic, pointing out that people absorb their key influence of sexual orientation between the ages of two and five, a time in life most of us would not remember 
anyway. Even molecular biologist Dean Hammer, who headed one of the famous studies which sought to find genetic explanations, said, and I quote, Our studies try to pinpoint the genetic factors, not to negate the psychosocial factors. My friends, it may someday be discovered that there are two types of homosexuality, a learned behavior and a genetic predisposition. In either case, the homosexual in all likelihood did not choose his or her sexual orientation and should not be blamed for inward feelings or impulses. Likewise, in either case, the acting out of such impulses would still be a natural behavior. It is believed that one could be born with a predisposition toward alcoholism too, but would we encourage an alcoholic to drink? None of this means that homosexuals are bad people, but while today's gay activists point to themselves as victims for not having been able to legally marry so many years, they are unwilling to consider the fact that they may have been victimized in some other way through the subtleties of various emotional influences while little kids, while growing up. Maybe something happened in their upbringing which, through no fault of their own, produced homosexual impulses. If a person has such tendencies and is not sure whether they stem from genetics or environment, what exactly is wrong with seeking help from a counselor on the chance at least that it might be an acquired behavior? And why should the desire to reach out and offer healing to such an individual be interpreted as hatred? In summary, this is not about hatred. This is not about discrimination. This is about freedom of religion, freedom of artistic expression, and freedom of speech, period. Included in the freedom of speech is the freedom to correct historical revision and point out falsehoods. It has never been proven that people are born gay. That was a convenient tactic to associate the subject with race. But the very same people who sold this to our nation regarding the way we are born now claim sexual fluidity and that one can change genders and change back and forth again at the drop of a hat. How did they get away with this nonsense? By boiling the frog slowly over the last five decades. People were desensitized. People grew numb to it. Just some things to think about as we await the latest SCOTUS ruling. The ruling won't come out till June, June of 2023. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to catch another episode of World News Brief next week. In the meantime, this is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious.